Thank you for listening to the Wealth Amplifier podcast. As a reminder, the goal of this podcast is to amplify a person, topic, or idea. On some episodes, members of the Amplius team will discuss a topic or idea. And on other episodes, we will invite an outside guest that has some particular insights or expertise. We really hope you enjoy the show. And like always with Amplius, if you have suggestions as to how we can make things better, please let us know. As a reminder, nothing on this episode should be taken as legal, tax, or investment advice. Tax, legal, and investment advice topics should be discussed one-on-one with the appropriate advisor. Thank you. Hi, and welcome to episode 14 of the Wealth Amplifier podcast, our first episode of 2024. Uh, joining me today are Aaron Marks and Patrick Swift. And of course, uh, I'm Matt Liebman. I should have mentioned that. So for today's podcast, um, as we had mentioned always on these podcasts, we're going to amplify a topic, a concept, or a person. Uh, we have some interesting people that are going to be interviewees later in the year. But for this one, where it's just the three of us, given the time of year, our topic is going to be New Year's resolutions. And uh, Pat, why don't you take it away and explain why we came to this topic, and then we can uh, discuss uh, some resolutions ourselves. Yeah, sure. Good to be back for a new year with you guys. Um, I think uh, the topic is is topical because it's January of a new year. And this is often when um, <clears throat> a major discussion point when you're socializing is resolutions. Um, and uh, I think for us being in the wealth management, personal finance industry, oftentimes people want to make financial goals when they start off the year. So I thought it would be a good thing to sort of debate, <clears throat> um, discuss, um, maybe shed some experience on where I think like, like all of human nature, uh, resolutions are hard to stick to and financial goals are no, no different than that. So often people want to make a stronger push around their finances as a part of their res- resolutions, but they often come up short or sometimes they come up short. And, and why is that, right? Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a behavioral thing, but I thought it would be a good thing for us to all sort of uh, round table. So, so I'll take any other thoughts. That, yeah. Do you think that... Um, having a new year's resolution at all has any impact on what follows through the rest of the year. I guess that that's sort of the crux of it, right? Does it, does it help to change? Do you forget it two days later? That, maybe that's a good setup topic is, and I think we're going to share some regardless, but do you guys, uh, do you guys like resolutions personally? I think the vast majority of the population will fail to keep with those resolutions beyond a month. And maybe that's even long, maybe just a couple of weeks. But for the people who are um, diligent about, you know, write that resolution down and somewhere you can see it repetitively and not let it slip your mind. I think that's almost the only way to have it stay front of mind and have an impact throughout the year. Because if not, we're humans. We forget things. You, you, you know, you go on vacation for a few days and your mind is wiped clean and you start fresh again the next week and, and on you go and you forget what the resolution was. Yeah, I'm sort of torn on it uh, myself. I, I, you know, I think 
there, my natural instinct, and this is the same with with a lot of topics, is we put too much emphasis on on December and January being magical months. It's almost like even even in our day job reviewing investment performance, it's like how'd I do last year? It's like well, how would you do the twelve months ended March or the thirteen months ended February? Like it, it, there's something really magical. I mean, taxes, I guess, uh, relate a little bit more to year to year, but most topics are sort of evergreen and ongoing. Uh, that said, I'm a big uh, believer in incrementalism and in doing and just getting a little bit better uh, each day. And I think a resolution, if you do it the right way and the way Aaron just described, uh, you know, I think can lead to some good results along those lines. Yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> I like uh, both of what you guys said. And, and I think personally, I'm not much of a resolution maker per se. I like to use the beginning of the year to maybe consider some big goals and progress I'm making towards them. but. I think uh, one of the deterrents, I think, of resolutions is, and I think this is why a lot of people fail, is <clears throat> you set up a, a big, hairy, audacious habit change, which is difficult in and of itself. And then if you fall off, you sort of get filled with like this self-resentment and it, 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 like feeling of failure. And then that can compound. And then you're like, you're even worse than when you're, when you started. Right, so right, right. I'm not going to do that again. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think to your point, Matt, like come up with one really, really, really simple thing. Like I'm going to wake up a half hour earlier than I normally do. Like, great. That's totally doable and see where it goes. Right. And then you're not going to hate yourself if you end up not doing that. You know what I mean? So I think those things are good. And I think for finance, that's, how I would approach a financial goal, a financial resolution. Start with something really small, something really easy. So to that end, uh, you know, we always put ourselves in the same shoes as our clients here. Uh, so if we uh, are going to talk about resolutions for them, even if financial or otherwise, uh, Pat, Aaron, fire away. What are some uh, resolutions you have for yourself for the year? Well, so this, this is um, more broadly for everybody. Okay. Uh, not a caveat, but just a one uh, point to make on it. And I'd probably make this or say this to everybody every year. And I'm pretty sure uh, I wrote an article. I did write an article about this or a blog post about uh, <laughs> saving more at the start of the year and have a goal to you know bump up your savings. But as an overarching theme, as it relates to our industry, save more, look less. And then the one, you know, asterisk, or look less as long as you have somebody looking for you, meaning <laughs> right, you, can't just, right. you can't just like close your eyes while you're driving and hope it goes okay. You need to have somebody hands on the wheel and paying attention for you. No, you're right. Because we do have, it, the, it is good to encourage people to look less, but we have seen some newer clients come on with portfolios. We're like, whoa, uh, somebody, was anyone looking at this? You know, but uh, so yeah, so someone should be looking, but it doesn't necessarily have to be you and doesn't necessarily have to be every day. So I agree. That's right. That's yeah. right. And on the save more topic, um, we, we, I mentioned in that article and we can share it again, have a, even though you can make the manual Hey, first of every month, I'm going to transfer X number of dollars from this account to this account. As again, humans, we forget. We don't do things. We don't stick to those plans. Set up an auto contribution from one account going to another account and make it a bigger, you know, I, we usually say just to get people to start because it's so hard, start with a nominal yeah. amount, some easy number. You know what? Push yourself one further. Make it a bigger amount than you're comfortable with because you know what? Next month, you can just lower it. And if you need mm -hmm. to get the cash out of your account, no problem. You know, push yourself a little further. So make that reoccurring contribution, up it from what it was last year and see if, see if you can continue with it. 
I <clears throat> couldn't agree more. That's one of my favorite topics because it's so it's mind-bogglingly simple just to save more. Everyone knows to do it, but it's eliminate the friction, eliminate anything that's going to make it difficult. And if you can do the auto contribution, the same way for most people, the way they contribute to a 401k or another account, you don't need a reason to save, just save. I just did it for myself. I just upped it for myself uh, the way I do it for my own personal account. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's a simple thing to do. And then when you eliminate any sort of like reason to fail by just having it automated, then you're setting yourself up for success. I agree. It's a great, great strategy. And I'll just throw in uh, from those are sort of behavioral and planning reasons to do it. I'll just throw in an investment reason. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly that rebalancing helps portfolios over the long term and behaviorally helps people stick with the portfolio. Being able to rebalance without having to sell anything, which is what you can do if you constantly have money coming in, is a really powerful tool from both from an after-tax investment return perspective. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big believer across the board of that. Nice. So Matt, you asked any, any personal uh, resolutions. So it doesn't have to be either of you have something. I have one, but I'll let you guys go first if you have anything. Pat, go ahead. Uh, all right. Well, I have a few. I wrote down a few. And in the context of... I'm not a big resolution guy, but I do like to like what would make this year a good year. That's kind of how I, I try to approach the beginning of year of the year. Um, so under that, guys, I have some business ones I'll share and some and some personal ones I'll share. Um, this the first one, and I, I thought after I finished my CFP designation, I would never again look to do another designation in the industry. Well, that took a whopping three years where I, I'm back to maybe considering one. So. There is a designation called the Certified Exit Planning Advisor designation. I think uh -huh. I shared with you guys. Um, some folks that I um, hold with high regard in this industry who got the designation have spoken very highly about it. And I think as it relates to clients and folks that are likely listening to this podcast, um, the reason why I'm considering it is, is it's specific to business owners and the, the fact that one day, whether they're selling their business or transitioning it to their next of kin, um, the, the designation specifies all the quantitative and qualitative elements that go into those major decisions. So I think it's a, it's an area where we intersect with our clients quite a bit. And I think it's going to be a, a good one. So I want to get that out of the way. Um, also on the business side, I'd like to do some more video content. I think that was good for us last year. We're doing the you know podcast obviously, but some more video content. And then, uh, on the more fun side of things on the personal side, I wrote down, I'd like to do a camping trip with my friends. I'd like to go on a trip with my mom and dad somewhere fun and cool and uh, include my brothers on that. And I'd like to, here's another one for so any clients that are listening. I'd like to do more face-to-face -face meetings outside the office. A little less Zoom, a little less uh, office meetings, a little more meeting people where they are or meeting people outside the office. I think those are uh, often some of the best meetings. So if anyone's interested in that, open invitation to schedule some time outside <laughs> the office with me. Um, so those are mine. That's kind of the few for me. That's a good one. I actually just did a uh, early year uh, review meeting with a client last week uh, who lives in, uh, you know, out of state from where I am. And uh, he said his New Year's resolution was no Zoom for 2024. So uh, <laughs> this that. time we spoke on the phone because I, I happen to not be near him, but uh, hopefully I will see him in person later in the year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
Um, so so uh, I'll just throw on the, the one resolution on the personal side uh, so we don't drag this on too long. And Matt, if you have one, you can obviously. Yeah, I'll, I'll go after you. Go ahead. You can piggyback. So um, I didn't come up with this one myself, but uh, for those of you who are familiar with Jesse Itzler, Jesse, serial entrepreneur, um, um, social media influencer, maybe, but he's also married to Sarah Blakely, founder of Spa- uh, Spanx. Uh, so super, <laughs> super positive guy, influential, very motivating. And he, you know, you talk about like, you want to make the most of your life, but it's hard to talk in years. Like, hey, for the next 30 years, I'm going to take advantage of every single second. Like that, that's a mm-hmm. big time frame. You can't talk in years. So he, I think I agree this, I, you know, th- with this, um, he focuses on summers. You only have so many summers left. And you can travel any time of year and you can go skiing in the winter and do whatever you want at other times of year. But if you only have so many summers, take advantage, right? Think of, okay, you got two, three months. And then this year is going to be very different for me, uh, for me, because both of my kids are going to be away uh, overnight camp for seven weeks. So better believe I'm going to take advantage (laughs) of not just sit on the couch, but travel, see friends, do things, go to a concert on a whim. So um, that's my resolution for this year of really um, teeing up the summer to enjoy it and see friends, take advantage of life while you have it. I love that. I love that. uh, Those are good ones. Um, All right. I'll give one uh, one professional and then maybe one or two personal and I'll uh, keep it brief so we can get to the uh, rest of the podcast and stay within our uh, limits here. So on the professional side, and some clients who are listening may have already experienced this last year. Uh, I want to introduce people that are tr- that traditionally have generally either only spoken with me or maybe spoken with my dad and I over the years, or Michelle and Monica with other members of the team, including the two of you uh, and and uh, Alice and Phil, other members of the team. We have twelve people here, and uh, I find. Now that we're three years into this business or we're coming up on three years, uh, when you're at a big firm, there is an instinct to just sort of hoard relationships. Like, I can't let anybody talk to that person and so on and so forth. And there's there's a lot of internal competition at the big firms, which I find to be understandable, but sort of ultimately unhealthy for both the advisor and the client. Now that we own our own business, uh, maybe incentives are, are, are more aligned, but I just want everybody, all the clients to get the full resources of the team as best as possible. So I'm making it a, uh, a you know, decided conscious effort to include more people uh, in meetings with clients. Uh, we've always done that, but I want to do it even more going forward. Um, and for me personally, I'll piggyback on Aaron's. Um, I'm going to piggyback on two of Aaron's, actually. So one, you mentioned on the financial front. Uh, that it's good to have someone to hold you accountable. Like, you know, you don't have to look at your statement all the time, but you need a financial person. So to that end, rather than the trite New Year's resolution of I want to get in better shape, I want to lose weight, blah, 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 blah. I have actually engaged with a nutritionist to work with me on that endeavor this year. In fact, that's why I was uh, quietly in my office talking quietly before we started this podcast. It was my first session with her. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so that is something I'm working on personally, but actually putting uh, a little bit more structure and effort behind it. Um, and then the, uh, the last one also goes with Aaron said about traveling and, and sort of enjoying life and so on. Probably one of, one of the best things I did last year was in right after I think our last podcast, we haven't gotten into it much, but uh, went out with some uh, old uh, childhood friends to Vegas to see you two play at the Sphere. 
Um, and it was an awesome weekend. I'm not even a Vegas guy, but I am a U2 guy. So it was a really good concert. So I want to try and do more things like that this year. Maybe uh, uh, another uh, another one or two of those. I did go to see a U2 cover band last weekend. Maybe And maybe I overdid it there. That was probably unnecessary. But uh, <laughs> we'll uh, you know, keep focusing on, on more things like the, uh, the Sphere event, which was awesome. So what I'm gathering from both of you is maybe Red Rocks is in both your guys' futures this year. I've, I've checked out that website it, numerous times. It's been, me the too. Time. It's it's been on the list forever. I can never find the right show at the right time there. But yeah. I, I know you've been and got to get to Red Rocks at some point. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to do that at some point. I mean, yeah, I'm stupidly biased with Colorado, as you guys know. But you can <laughs> see, even if you have a band that's like, you know, like outside your normal wheelhouse, but there's someone you know of and right. you would enjoy, like go, because there's so much other stuff to do out there anyway. That you can you can make a weekend out of it and have fun. So all right. I love them. Good stuff. Good stuff, guys. I like all those. Well, we have a new feature coming up on the podcast, Pat. You want to talk about it? <clears throat> sure. I'll, all right. So I'll tee it up. So <laughs> we have, and I don't think many clients or folks we work with are aware of this. They might be if they work with Aaron. But um, we have, Aaron is a, not just self-proclaimed, I think more we have proclaimed him as a, <laughs> as a hoagie connoisseur, a sandwich for those not in the Philadelphia region, a, a sub sandwich, uh, connoisseur, uh, uh, what do they call it? In New England, a grinder, a grinder connoisseur, a hoagie connoisseur. So Aaron is, uh, he's my go-to expert when I need hoagie suggestions. Um, he knows all the, you know, the lay of the land in the Philadelphia market on, on different hoagies. So I have pushed him since really we started the podcast, think that it would be a, a funny and entertaining segment for him to review a hoagie live on 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 the podcast uh, and give recommendations and, and and that kind of thing and score it. So uh, I'll tee Aaron up to provide some more thoughts on it, but maybe it's a new segment. We'll see. So, so I appreciate the push. Thank you. I do love a good hoagie. I I think I I definitely have realized that I've become very particular and uh, and opinionated on my hoagies. So I, I, I purposely did not bring up these uh, considerations to you guys beforehand so we could talk about it on the uh, podcast today. So if we're going to do this, um, I want to figure out the right format. Is it live? Is it not? If you're going to have a hoagie, is it the same exact? Are you getting an Italian everywhere? Mm, are you mm. getting a turkey everywhere? Are you getting an Italian? And a, do you just say, hey, make me your best sandwich? Mm. But, but then how do you compare apples to apples? What do you guys think? So I'm going to bring that back to our day job. When we are interviewing money managers for an assignment that we're looking for, we don't go to them and say, we want everybody to have a large cap growth strategy. No, we want to work with the managers where they are best. If you're a specialist in private credit and we want private credit, great. If we're not looking for private credit, sorry, we'll see you next time. But we want their, so I think you should be going to every place and getting the specialty of the house, regardless of whether the sandwich is the same. I like that. Pat, what do you believe? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I see both sides. Um, I may, I may be adding to indecision here, but, uh, well, let me ask you this. Do you have a, a hoagie that is kind of your go-to? Like, do, are you more of an Italian guy or a turkey guy? Turkey and Italian. We call it 60-40, turkey, 60-40 Italian. But I love tuna. You know, if you're going to okay. get the Italian, you're getting the hot peppers or you're not. Like, with the, um, right. the accessories on top, maybe I'll say just, hey, do what you think is the best kind of thing. I think based on that, I would go with – I would agree with Matt. I think go with 
the restaurant recommended their, their top sub. And I think my, uh, I would guess a lot of places that like the Italian is their go-to anyway. So you end up with a lot of the same so that you can actually compare apples to apples on the, on yeah. the, uh, on the type. I'll tell you what was difficult. I did go to one. Um, my kids were busy. My wife was out of town. So I said, great. I'm going to go do this. I won't reveal where yet until we really formalize this, but they had, and, and maybe this is a, a, a maybe when we're reviewing the hoagie, I'm also reviewing the place itself. Um, they had six different Italian hoagies. I didn't know which one to get. I mm. think I chose the wrong one. <laughs> I, it was good, but I feel like I missed out on some other ones. So I think Matt's your point. You say, "Hey, just give me your go-to. Lay it on me." And hey, look, you can always get a second one and have a bite of. If they say the Italian is the go-to, you can always get the turkey or the tuna just to try it. Right. Right. Veggie. I, think- even if, I, I love a veggie hoagie. I love all hoagies. Yeah. I don't discriminate. <laughs> and I think I first became aware of this about you when we went to what, what's the the hoagie room? Uh, the, the hoagie place, room uh, in uh, where is it? That's near you, Pat. Fishtown is that where it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, in Fishtown. Really yeah, um, but I think we can also use the uh, listeners to help us here. That if a client has a or listener has a place in mind presumably they can tell us this is the sandwich you have to get there and get it this way we'll listen to their instructions all right well now now that this is out in the open i feel like uh, i've really got to follow through and do it so uh, I, I won't let you down <laughs> <laughs> that's right all right and uh i will tease one uh uh this summer at some point we, uh, we should go to the shore and get one down there uh at white house definitely. dino is one definitely. of those places definitely yeah, yeah. that's a good idea all right, I'm excited. Um, all right, so next segment, I believe, uh, into some articles. You guys ready to uh, react? So we're, yeah. we're 20 minutes in. I'll try to make them quick. Two, not layups, but timely market-related uh, articles. I'm sh- I would imagine you saw both of these and then a third one that's uh, out there. Uh, headline, Wall Street Journal, just from over the weekend, I believe, uh, stocks are at record highs, but things will only get harder from here. That's a great. Let's say great, you. That's a great hedge. It's like things yeah. are great. They may be good going forward. They may not. We're all good, you know. And and look, I don't blame them. That no one can predict the future, but I do find, depending on one's bias, and a lot of times people's bias is towards the negative side. You know, these days. Um, You'll hear a lot of sentiment, whether it's people we talk to or or pundits or whatever. It's like markets at an all time high. How could this keep going? Forgetting the fact that markets keep going from all time highs almost every year in history, not every year, but 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 quite often these all time highs we're hitting right now, just to give a little context on this, they're almost the exact same levels we were at two years ago. They're not across every single segment of the market. There's still plenty of room to make up in other areas. And so that's not to say things are going to be rosy and wonderful from here. But I think this general idea that things are so toppy right now, you know, just flies in the face of the data where where we essentially have had Mm -hmm. even the best areas of the market have been sort of sideways if you stretch out the calendar for for two years. And the worst areas are still well below their all-time highs. So. Uh, that makes me, if anything, uh, more in the line that things could be harder from here, easier from here. But I, uh, not surprisingly, think the headline's a little uh, 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 unnecessary. <clears throat> I'd agree. Yeah. Um, the last couple points you just made there, Matt, is exactly how I've thought about things. Is <clears throat> if you look at equity market performance across the board, 
over the last two plus years, it's been a it's been a little sideways. Um, yep. We haven't had major, you know, a major bull market that has permeated across the last two three years, which would be different than history. Like normally in a two three year period, you do see stocks return at their premium levels. So I think it's like at some point you do have the breakout. Like you do have stocks providing premium returns across across uh, um, relative to other 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 asset classes. So I think a lot of a focus for good reason is on the megatech, you know, magnificent seven. And and yes, there's certainly some, uh, you know, frothy looking things in, in that element, but um, there are other parts of the market, to your point, Matt, that are undervalued. And I think as a whole, that's why you continue to own a variety of different stocks. And you should see at some point higher highs, as they say. Um, so yeah, yeah. Classic kind of headline, but I would agree with your assessment. The, the one thing I, I said, I mentioned, you know, us as humans a couple times already in this podcast. But yeah, the human condition is we're always so in a box and looking at a short period of time. You know, if you're a long term investor, ten years down the road, I don't care if they're at record high. I saw I saw a headline somewhere it said old news, stocks are at all time high. They're always it's there's going to be another one and another one and another <laughs> one, right? It's just going to continue on. So if you're a long time long term investor, I don't care if we're at a high now. Keep, keep buying, keep adding, keep mm-hmm. going. Like, don't stop. There's no reason to get out. There will be another high, and it might be tomorrow, and it might be in a year or three years, but there will be another one. Right. And it, yeah, and I think there are a couple, one, one piece that uh, I'm going to be putting together soon, uh, some content we're putting out, is when looking at it through, through Aaron's prism there, you have to be mindful of diversification in the following sense. Uh, the Nikkei, the, uh, you know, the uh, Japanese index, I believe is roughly now where it was 30 years ago. So that's not that exciting experience if you were just investing in that. And someone might say, hey, well, you know, why would I invest only in the Nikkei? I'm not recommending that. My only point is at the time, I believe 30 years ago, it was, I think, the second largest stock market in the world. And still, Japan is not that far away from that. So the point is, I I think it it does speak to the importance of uh, global and other diversification, that, that the more diversified you are, the longer you can just sort of stick with the program. All right. Um, I'm going to skip the second market related one because we're sort of hitting those topics already. Let's, let's get off market. My brother sent me the one this morning. Very uh, troublesome news here in Pennsylvania. Um, bacterial infections in Pennsylvania's potato crops could okay. lead to supply shortages for potato chip makers. Hmm. And going back to a hoagie fan and connoisseur. Yeah, you got to have the hers, the Snyders, yeah, Hanover, the Yutz, the, something alongside. You know, Pennsylvania is a haven for, well, I guess pretzels and potato chips. But I don't know if you guys have any fears of the, but that that that, that hit <laughs> home. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> well, I think that nutritionist I referred to before, given my weakness for pretzels, I I think she should be a suspect in uh, whatever uh, whatever went down here to uh, <laughs> to, to cause this problem. Uh, Pat, go ahead. Um, as I guess the closest thing to a conspiracy theorist on this, on this podcast, I am, uh, uh, I'm always wary of like these events that occur that affect our food and water supply. Um, do you think the know. potato I, industry said this just so now they could boost prices? Pro- I mean, sorry, maybe chips are more expensive now, right? If we look at inflation across the board on all these different food groups has has potatoes been like left out of the uh, higher price categories. And now they're like, ah, we need to come up with a way to to increase our prices. uh, 
they're like the small cap value of the food industry. Like they just haven't <clears throat> yeah. participated and they need, they need a little catch up. up. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. It'd be a shame though. I mean, I'm a big, I'm not a huge potato chip person, but I'd imagine this affects all potato products. And you know, I eat my healthy share of both, you know, sweet and regular potatoes. So uh, sure. I'd be I'll upset. Leave, if- I'll leave it at this. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we bring up articles. So now you can learn more about us. <laughs> get some real yeah, yeah. action. Yeah, there you go. There you are. <laughs> uh, so I think uh, we're, we're getting towards the closing here. So uh, uh, we usually go around at the end. What are you reading, watching? Uh, any any recommendations? So I feel, um, I don't know, silly on this one. But um, I don't know, like a lot of kids, I was never a reader. Um, so if I'm the book that I'm going to mention, I'm reading with my son. So it's not just for me, but, uh, a relative just got my kids, the Harry Potter books. And I never read, I've seen the movies, but you know, I'm reading with him, you know, we're, we're like the second chapter of the first Harry Potter book. It's great. So it's, it's just a, um, I was talking to my wife about it. Like you could see why they've sold billions of these books. I mean, it is captivating the story, the storytelling, the characters. Um, so even an old book, no, nah, I wouldn't say old, a book from a different time in your life when you were younger, it's fun to go back and read. So uh, Harry Potter, right back into it. Now, do you read that out loud with him or yeah, do you, so you he's just read fourth, side by side? So he's in fourth grade. He's supposed to read 20 minutes a night, which never happens, obviously. So I read a paragraph, he reads a paragraph, or ah, I'll read okay. four paragraphs, he reads a sentence kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so, 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 so you're like 20 minutes a night. Right. Exactly yeah. right. It's good for me. <laughs> that, that's, well, that's a, that's a cool exercise in general. Um, <clears throat> it's funny you mention that because Kara and I just watched all of the Harry Potter movies again. We've seen them you know, a million times, but over the last month and a half or so, we just kind of, we're out of things to watch. So we, we got on the kick and I, I am a, I was a huge Harry Potter nerd when I read all the books, when they came out, like kind of thing. And, uh, was a huge fan of the books and, and watching the movies recently made me want to go back and, and read them. So it's kind of funny that you bring that up, but, um, I got I'll give a couple recommendations and one positive, one negative. So I watched this movie Saltburn. Have you guys heard or seen this? <clears throat> Never no, heard of it. Don't bother with it. <laughs> don't don't uh, don't trouble yourself. I had heard about it from friends, uh, from family on podcasts. Like everyone was talking about this movie because it was like very unique and whatever. And I didn't really know anything about it. And Kara wanted to watch it, so I gave it a shot. And uh, just wasn't my genre. I'll put it that way. Um, it's a little shocking and just disturbing in a couple of different scenes. And I'm good on Saltburn. No offense to anybody who liked it, but uh, was not was not a fan. Uh, so in case. Anyone in your guys' respective families ask you to watch, at least you have my opinion to uh, hard no. To use. Got yeah. it. All right. It sounds uh, unpleasant <laughs> in general by titles. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm probably being a little harsh, but it was everyone had given it high recommendations, and I was uh, I was not a huge fan. Um, I'll give one recommendation on the more positive side. I've been re- I have a ton of books that I got over the holidays that I have to get through. Um, and I'm excited about one of them I just picked up is a book called The Tools by a gentleman named Phil Stutz. And if anyone's familiar with that name listening, there was a there was a Netflix documentary. Jonah Hill. With Jonah Hill. And, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his, his therapist <laughs> is this guy, Phil Stutz. He's like a old school kind of Brooklyn guy. And, and he's a little revolutionary, I guess, in the psychology, psychiatry industry where he uh, – his whole thing – 
his in his career has been, I want to help the patient with whatever pain or whatever they're experiencing, like in the moment, rather than like the old school therapy way of letting them come to their own conclusion, whatever. So he came out with this book that is like, they're like these five tools that uh, help you be more productive, be more efficient, you know, self-help-ish kind of thing, which I'm a fan of those kinds of books, but it is all based in his experience in psychology uh, and treating patients, which I, I just think is, it's been interesting. Um, and uh, I've been trying to implement them where I can. So it's, it's, it's been good. I would recommend. That's cool. And, and not to be, but this stuff, he is still alive and practicing mm -hmm. and well, right? As far as I know, yeah, I, did, yeah, I didn't absolutely. watch the movie. I, I just, uh, I remember seeing uh, Joe. The Hill. documentary was great, by the way, too. If people just want sort of a, an intro to that whole topic, I thought the, the uh, documentary on Netflix was really good. So I've been trying to avoid general um, doom scrolling about current events between the election, the war, and we have to keep tabs of things, obviously, for our, for our day job. But so um, the escapism of football did not help. Uh, given that the Eagles had a historic debacle of a collapse. But I will say I have gotten into this uh, <clears throat> Detroit Lions run. Uh, they're just – I have no particular affinity for the region. I, I guess my wife went to Michigan, but, like, I, I, I you know, I've been there a couple times. But anyway, I mean, they are historically the worst franchise in sports. I mean, they, they hadn't won a – they'd won one playoff game in the last 50, 60 years until last weekend. And now uh, they're on the um, on the cusp of the Super Bowl and – playing the Niners, who I find to be an immensely unlikable team. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, Kansas City and Baltimore, I don't have a particular feeling uh, either way, but I'd like to see a Lions Super Bowl. I think that would be a, uh, a fun, uh, feel-good uh, storyline. So I'll go with that they can do it? Do you think they can do it? I mean, my general thought with football is, like, once you're in the mix, you're in the mix. Uh, and and there, there are only four teams left that can do it, so so why not? The, the Niners – look terrible this week. I mean, the, the Packers should have won that game. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that would have been fun if Detroit had actually hosted the NFC title game against their old, you know, rival, the Packers. That would have been a fun story. Mm -hmm. um, no, on paper, I think they're probably the worst of the four teams, but it's not that big a gap. Uh, so, sure, why not? I am. Uh, I know we're coming up basically on time, but I'm, I'm wholeheartedly wish with you on that. I'm, I'm upset the Bills lost because I was really hoping for a Bills-Lions Super Bowl. Then that you, could have been you, a sign of the apocalypse, though. I mean, definitely. But at the very least, yeah, at the very least, it would have been, no matter what, a deserving fan base winning a Super Bowl. 100%. So I would have been very happy for, for the folks in either city had that been the case. So in this case now, I'm like wholeheartedly on, uh, on Detroit. Yeah, and I will say I have probably a little bit of an affinity towards the Ravens only because – I have family there, and and they they are a little bit like they remind me of Eagles fans. They're a little unwell and a little demented uh, mm -hmm. in Baltimore mm -hmm. when it comes to football. So I, I kind of appreciate yeah. that. Uh, yeah, but I'm definitely rooting for uh, for Detroit. Uh, so we will close here. I did want to mention our next episode in I think it's the next one uh, in February. Uh, I will be interviewing a. I'll just tease a. Uh, financial media legend that for a uh, a geek like me i'm very excited that we got him to come on the on the podcast so uh uh tune in in a month uh, for our interview there nice all right, all right thanks, everybody guys. we appreciate your time as always and uh look forward to talking in real life thank you see you